Hey guys, welcome back to the Adrian Bow podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. This week, Adrian, we're going to do something special. We're going to bring a recent skills workshop that you and I both hosted that we send out to the entire McGraw network on a weekly basis. Now, listeners, you're going to get this pretty much every fortnight, but what it is is tapping into the skills and challenges and objectives and traits that you need to use out in the field to make your business grow. Adrian, why did we do this and why is it so important in the field right now? It goes to my love, uh, Troy, which is that paradigm between motivational and practitioner work. So I always made a commitment if I ever coached or trained agents that I could share dialogue and strategies and systems and checklists that they can implement into their business the same day or the next day and move the needle with listings and sales because that is our KPI and that's what we're measured on. And I like to have my agents achieve immediate results from the work that we do. Hey, listeners, if you like this, rate it five stars, send us a review, send us questions, because we want to make sure that it's relevant for you every single week. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome back. Episode two, the very next Friday. Adrian, um, we spoke a lot about last week about buyer work. And kind of we alluded to the fact that on the floor negotiation at auctions actually happens way back at the expectations meeting with the vendor that then gives you enough confidence to have those crucial conversations with buyers. Um, Guys, what we're going to focus on today is essentially um, what are some of the key questions that you've always been asking buyers after the open for inspection to make sure they maintain engagement all the way through to the auction. Absolutely. Okay, so the first uh, hack with that, if you like, Troy, is Saturday afternoon callbacks, okay? So if you're waiting until Monday, sometimes even Tuesday, frankly, um, it's just way too late. One, you're not going to be able to capitalise on the momentum of their headspace and their attachment to the property. Two, there's no way, if you're reactively prospecting correctly, that you're going to be able to capture data and capture whether they own a piece of real estate and do that follow-through process, okay? So that's, 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 that's a hack number one. In fact, Troy, I'll take it to that next little uh, level a bit in that lately, given the reduction in open house numbers at the inspection itself, I'm having callback-like dialogue at the inspection. And so I'm saying, Troy, how did you like the home? Oh, it was terrific, great, all right. What's the next steps for you? Are you looking to uh, have a contract issued to you? Uh, have you got finance in place? Have you bid unconditionally at other auctions? Um, uh, do you live locally? Uh, are you planning to sell at any stage? In fact, let me give you my business card uh, in the event you are looking to buy or sell. If not, why don't we set up an appointment now? So quite often, the guys that would be doing the penciling at the open house are actually booking in appraisals while I'm talking to that person. Yeah, right, because you do have more time. Absolutely. The strategy around the Saturday afternoon callback, you know, we debated a lot around the network. Um, Saturday afternoon, we've found, generally speaking, and getting your feedback uh, week in, week out, guys, is that people seem to be more relaxed and it's top of mind what they've seen. We know that most people that are searching for property, they normally inspect three to four properties every single Saturday. So why not get the head start on your competitors? If they're all calling on a Monday morning Mm -hmm. or a Tuesday, 
Tuesday, or if they're not calling at all, why not be the person that calls on Saturday afternoon yes. to get that call? So, what are some of the questions? I mean, you, you said you know you kind of you've got your um, your assistant or someone, a colleague, working with you at the open, taking information and almost going through that question process to see if there's a potential appraisal. Yes. What are some? If you were to, if we were kind of to do a role play live, yes. What would be some of the dialogue you would have if yes. I was a buyer that inspected a home and you were calling me back on a Saturday afternoon? Okay, so your first obligation is to the vendor you're representing. And your first obligation is to qualify whether there's interest in that property um, before you look to submit other colleagues' properties to that particular buyer or submit another listing of your own to that buyer. So I think you need to exhaust that first and foremost, given your vendor has written you a cheque for five or $10,000. So I think that's that's rule number one that we need to stick with, okay? The second thing is that, um, of course, you want to identify, if you're reactively prospecting appropriately, you want to identify whether they own a piece of real estate. And there's some terrible dialogue there around, around that. And then the next step is to obviously place them on your database. Now, the, the worst dialogue I've heard, apart from not asking at all, yeah. is... Troy, I've got, I've got a newsletter which goes out every month. What I'd like to do is get your email address and put you on my database, um, and then I'm going to call you often to just keep you up to date with the market. That's not good dialogue, in my opinion, because anyone who hears the red flags of database and newsletter, they're not interested. Okay, So the best dialogue I've found, Troy, that's worked really well, is number one, do you live in the area? Because if they say at that particular point, Troy, well, no, I live in uh, you know, Mossman and it's not my core market, well, then we've already answered most of the questions and it goes on to, okay, great, well, let's catch up next week at the inspection. So that the continued conversation is not there. It's not a conversation piece. If it's, yes, I live in Coogee, which is my core market, the next question is, are you planning to sell at any stage? Now, what I'm identifying by asking that question is whether they own a piece of real estate or not, because yeah. another terrible piece of dialogue from agents is, do you own or are you just renting? So if I ask, are you looking to sell at any stage, and they don't own, guess what they're gonna say? Oh no, Adrian, I'm just renting. Yeah. So I've managed to extract that piece of information without asking that patronizing piece of dialogue around, are you just renting, yeah. you with me? Yep. So if the answer is, uh, not yet, I'm not planning to sell just yet, guess what, I've determined that they own a piece of real estate in Coogee, without even directly asking it. So I'm not trying to be tricky, but I need to make sure that I'm extracting the right information. And if it's not yet, well then, A, I know they own, B, I know they own in Coogee, I'm giving you my business card and I'm saying to them, you know what, I'll get your email address, so I don't ask permission, so I'm going to get your email address and I'm going to keep you updated uh, for properties that sell in your area and, and I'm going to nominate myself as the McGrath area expert in the event you look to buy or sell. That's it. Perfect. And you can get a sense of how efficient that conversation is. We just role play that. It probably was 45 seconds. That's all you need. Too many times I think we go into that, so you're looking to buy or sell, and what other properties have you seen? That dialogue's probably a little bit too extended for the call and the amount Correct. of volume of calls we need to get Correct. through. So always be really calm, authentic, and really connect with them, and have questions that isn't going to somewhat put a negative connotation about any kind of conversation you're having with the buyer, yes. and make sure you're extracting 
extracting the right information. Now, the other nice thing you said about the person that lived in Mossman, you knew that all the questions were there, so Correct. you weren't actually thinking about wasting time of going through that dialogue. Now, That's knowing great. the way that you work, you'd also be connecting or at least alerting another McGrath Absolutely. network person or salesperson Absolutely. that could potentially know that similar client. Absolutely. Um, so, for example, like a Mossman, it might be Michael Coombs or someone that's working in that area that you can connect through with and say, Michael, have you met Mr. and Mrs. Jones? Yeah. Look, just on that point, uh, Troy, uh, 15 to 20% of my income, so I won't say business, but income, is referrals within the McGrath network. Yeah. And so you're talking, you're talking, you know, six-digit type income just, just based on that. So that's an incredible vertical of a passive and annuity, if you like, and then you plug into that McGrath future or the vault, and hey, you've got your team paid for, you've got holidays sorted, and then you've got your core business on top of that. So that's just a small hack if you're serious about this business. Tell me about this, Adrian. So you've, we've gone through the call, we've established that they are living locally, they've got a piece of real estate to sell at some point, but not yet. Yes. What dialogue are then you going into to see if there's a level of interest about the property you have listed? Sure. Okay, so at that particular point, it is... Um, have you bid or put unconditional offers in on something not dissimilar to this property, okay? So I wanna engage myself and my headspace around what sort of price point um, are they looking at? Because I'll make sure that my product knowledge is a 10 out of 10, and if they say to me, well, it was actually Carrington Road, well, I know which house in Carrington Road it is, I know who the buyers were, what it sold for, etc. So if they were in with a chance on that property, then I'm gonna have an idea of what price range they're at for ours. Secondly, I, I, I always need to ask, what are the obstacles you need to overcome to put yourself in a position to actually bid unconditionally at auction? Because there's a few. There's finance, there's building inspection, there's getting the family through, there's probably a second or third inspection, there's measuring the bedroom. So, you know, once that happens, I actually make detailed notes, and then when I sit down in front of the owner, I say, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, these are their three obstacles they've got to overcome in order to bid at auction on your house. Okay, they have suggested 1.6, but it's not an offer per se because the only real offer is an unconditional one. It's not unconditional at this point. Then I've got the Smiths, and just letting you know, they've sold, they've got money in the bank, they're ready to go, but they're only talking 1,450. Yep. with me so the owner is equipped with that much information that when a decision needs to be made either pre-auction in a tender scenario or at auction or after auction there's there's zero uh, doubt or ambivalence around where each buyer is at and in fact best practice guys if you are doing a pre-auction sale or a tender uh, you show the owner those notes and if you are proceeding with one particular buyer, uh, you have the other buyers text or email you saying that that's their best and final offer because often they'll miss out and they, even though they verbally told you it's their best and final offer, they'll often call after and say, I would have paid more. And yeah. it's quite often we show them the email and say, well, you did say it was the best and final. Yeah. And you show the owner that as well. And you also get the owner to text or email you saying, I acknowledge that there's other interest in this property. However, I'm proceeding with the 1.6 offer with Mr. and Mrs. Jones. That's unconditional. It's best practice, guys. You know, this will avoid acrimony, uh, arguments, complaints. And that's a big part of our industry, which we want to avoid. So the buy work that you're talking about, Adrian, in this scenario gives you so much more confidence that you've got a premium result for your vendor every single time you follow this set criteria of achieving great results. Yes. So the question would remain, if someone 
isn't close enough to their buyers, because that is quite common. Um, someone requests a contract, they want to hold back their cards, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, what are some of the things that you're developing or the rapport or trust you're trying to develop with those buyers yes. to make sure they actually do participate in the campaign and actively put an offer forward, whether that be pre-auction as yes. an unconditional contract, yeah. or whether that be actually on the auction floor bidding? Sure. The first one goes back to that piece of dialogue around with the buyer, what are your intentions with this property? Because the mistake a lot of agents make, Troy, is when they issue a contact, they automatically assume that that buyer may want to make an offer before auction, but not, not always. Some buyers are very happy to bid in a transparent, competitive auction environment where it's not a best offer scenario prior to auction. They really love that transparency. So always, uh, that's the very first question once they take a contract. What are your intentions? Are you looking to make an offer prior or are you looking to attend the auction? That's number one. Secondly, face-to-face -face appointments with your buyers. You cannot beat that. And especially in this market where you might have three registrations as opposed to seven, and you've only got four listings or three, you've got heaps of time to have a face-to-face -face appointment at their house or in the office. And let me tell you, is that a dollar productive activity? Absolutely, highly dollar productive activity. So face-to-face -face appointments, and the dialogue is really simple. Say, thanks for coming into the office, Troy. Uh, I just want to let you know that you're one of three people that are very interested in this property. Uh, I've let the owners know about all the notes that I took when we last spoke around the building inspection, around finance and which other home you've met. They even know you by name. Um, so that's really important because that degree of intimacy and that connection I think is important because sometimes as agents we, we act too much as uh, uh, too wide of a conduit between those two, two parties. Um, and uh, we have a very basic conversation around honesty, transparency, who the other buyers are, and actually ask them at that meeting, um, do you realise that the registration process was originally designed so you could come into the office and actually pre-register prior to the auction? And they say, oh, no, we didn't realise that. You know, we only do it on a Saturday when we bid an auction. OK, how do you feel about registering now? We'll save time. I can speak to the owner. So rather than, as an agent, turning up to the auction and hoping and praying three people will register, why not do what was initially actually uh, designed for at its inception of the registration process by the legislation? Yeah, absolute gold, guys. Another thing that we've done is we've used a lot of Adrian stuff around uh, buyer meetings and what you've just discussed there. Guys, also on the internet under resources, it's a pre-auction buyer meeting or just a buyer meeting. Uh, Adrian spoke a lot about uh, scarcity, the activity around uh, getting people interested in the property. So if there's one or three buyers that are there, the, the property's scarce. We always want what we can't have. So you're gonna create a level of urgency with that buyer. The second one is building that trust and rapport and intimacy. We're likeable and similar to the buyers. We're going to help them along the way. And the third one is the authority process around the pre-registration. So you've tapped on three really powerful pillars of influence that we discuss a lot throughout the McGrath training system. Uh, really important. Now, the other thing that I want to finish off on, because I know we're going to talk about it soon in the next couple of episodes, is one thing that I've noticed, Adrian, is every time you walk into a property, you seem to know absolutely everyone, and everyone already has that connection with you to say, Adrian, how are you? How and what are some of the quick wins, um, two or three, that our agents can use in the field to build trust and rapport very quickly so they are the trusted advisor in real estate? Sure. 
Firstly, I think you need to introduce yourself to everybody at the Open for inspection. So, you know, just literally looking him in the eye and saying, hi, I'm Adrian Bowe, thank you so much for coming. The owner and, and McGrath really appreciate you turning up today. It means a lot. So that's a genuine, and then once you know their name, then repeat the name. Troy, it's, it's so good to see you, you know, like you're gonna love this home. Have a look through, I'm gonna be wandering around. Uh, Harrison's out the front, he's just taking notes and, and, and issuing contracts if necessary. And in fact, we can press one button on Home Pass and you'll have the contract in your inbox before you actually step into your car to the next inspection. But I'll be around if you need me, so just grab me, okay? And then I'll go and talk to the next person. Right, so you're kind of instantly building trust and rapport, referring to them by their name, making them feel special, telling them the lay of the land at the open, and then you're moving on. Absolutely. So there's no uh, kind of hesitation or detailed conversation that you're having at opens. Uh, well, once they've had a good look through, then I, if, if the numbers are single digits, yep. I'll have that callback-like dialogue around, hey, do you live in the area, you're planning to sell, what I'm going to do is give you my business card in the event you look to buy or sell. So that's, that's tattooed in my brain, okay? Yep. Um, and it's, I know it's laminated in front of a lot of people's desks now because I've spread that word everywhere, which is great, and I hope everyone does it. But I pretend at the Open House Troy that it's my birthday party, and then I'm like a pinball out of when you went to your birthday yeah. party and you're walking around and you're saying hello to everyone. That's because they're there to, to see you on display. And the amount of potential vendors at the moment that are turning up to open for inspections and uh, you know making you assume that they're a genuine buyer, but they're actually there shopping for their listing agent is is highly increasing. Yeah, right. We'll put that uh, list of questions, uh, we'll put that in this email as well, so we'll send it out as a PDF. Guys, we know as well that uh, most potential clients, vendors that we're meeting, are researching us anywhere from six to 18 months before they actually call us to go in for an appraisal. So every single chance you get in the market to actually have detailed, informative conversations where you generally care about that client and treat them with like a VIP yes. um, is going to pay dividends in the long term for you to build a really sustainable business. Adrian, we've been going for a little while now. This is episode two. We've got a couple more episodes to come out, guys. Keep sending your questions through to either myself, Troy M for Malcolm, at mcgrath.com.au and also Adrian B or Adrian Bow at mcgrath.com.au because we're going to tackle a couple of your questions in the coming weeks that you seem to be sending in. There's quite a few now, which is really fun. So guys, we look forward to seeing you next Friday. Uh, thanks, Adrian. Peace out.